0: Tay Rodemaker is going to visit an ACC school. I don't know why I went with like a country accent there.
1: I have no what,
0: idea.
2: What I, you don't mean, I don't even know. know. I don't even know what you said. What did you even say? I don't.
0: I don't even know. Like it, it sounded like for some ACC. Reason, I like yeah, was going to did. see Shane Beamer, like visit Shane Beamer, but then I went with SEC, and I, I like mixed it both together. But expected to visit Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Um, how we feel about this? You think, uh, think it's a good fit for uh, old Taylor I mean,
2: S- South Carolina's just been taking everybody's scraps the last couple of weeks, so yeah.
0: Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go those. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. e and in
1: the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. Go live. Go no. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose.
0: This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody.
1: But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Prime Primetime Sanders. The great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day,
2: man. That was awesome. Hello Nose fans, this is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day.
1: James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on, SSOD, Florida State or die, and go Nose. William Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up?
0: What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from here the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening. Maybe not so fantastic, but moving on. I think this one kind of getting out of your head as quick as you can is probably key. But uh, we're here after a fun little Miami trip down there the entire week uh, for all the media festivities covering the Orange Bowl with Florida State versus Georgia. And now we're back here on our weekly shows on Wednesday nights, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of that Orange Bowl. Won't go into deep depth of that, but we'll give our last remaining thoughts of that and just erase it from our uh, brains, men in black style. And then moving forward, we're going to talk about some players that are returning for the 2024 season, some uh, some big impactful players as well that we'll be talking about here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about Tate Rodemaker and him visiting an SEC school. We'll give our thoughts on that. We're we'll gonna give our thoughts too on the college football playoff, and uh, I think there will be some good takes there on that. As we saw FSU Twitter and a lot of former, a lot of former Knowles, current Knolls throwing uh, some shade at a couple teams that we saw on uh, New Year's Day play. But uh, without uh, further ado, I think that's gonna wrap it up. But we gotta talk about Florida State's new. Starting quarterback for the 2024 season officially with some good news on New Year's Day for Florida State fans. DJ Uyongagale is now a official Florida State Seminole signed and everything official out there. Uh, But still, yeah, we're getting the name down. Bear with us. This is my finally trained like ten minutes before this podcast, so give me a couple of weeks and it's going to be so smooth you won't want to miss the show. So, uh, but all, as always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. Uh, if you want to subscribe, we got all kinds of content going out there. No matter if we're in the season or in the off season, a lot of content is going to continue to come to you guys uh, throughout the next couple of months. So, uh, with me this evening is Austin Vizi at the very top, our lead basketball writer. And now we're just sticking you there because don't need game previews from you on the football side anymore. Nope. And then down below is our editor in chief, Dustin Lewis. Gentlemen, happy new year. Happy 2024. Did y'all have a good one?
1: Pretty good. New year. uh, Same podcast. Yeah.
2: I'm still watching Florida state basketball, so it hasn't gotten that much better, but um, how are they doing? uh, It's three to three, four minutes into the game.
1: That's promising. (laughs)
0: At least it's tied it's the closest you're going to probably get sadly. Yeah, you're going to see
2: you're going to see some uh, probably some mild to extreme facial reactions from me throughout the podcast as I try to hold in my <laughs>
0: anchor throughout the game. <laughs> yep, that's what it is. I know I wish like I was saying a couple of weeks ago I wish we could go from football season and go to a good FSU basketball team to watch, but that's just not the case right now for FSU fans. It kind of stinks. Kind of really in a now the, now this offseason lasts a little bit longer than how it was in previous past years because of basketball and Leonard Hamilton and, and making some pretty decent runs there in March Madness. But don't really have that much anymore in case. Maybe if you're a baseball fan, but we don't really talk baseball on here. But maybe transfer drama. I mean, there's never enough of that we saw last year. So uh, the content will stay flowing, I would imagine, no matter what. Uh, but what do you guys want to talk about first? You want to talk about Florida State's new quarterback, or do, do we want to talk about college football playoff? Which one? Which one would you guys rather go to first?
2: Well, I don't care about the playoffs. So let's talk, DJ.
0: DJ, <laughs> I think it's just gonna be you. <laughs> And me, D. Lou, talking about the college football playoffs because <laughs> I don't. I think VZ boycotted.
2: <laughs> I did. I refused to watch. I was playing Madden the entire time throughout the games. So just, I wanted nothing to do with the college football playoffs.
1: <laughs> so you didn't watch a single second? Is that not, what you're saying?
2: Not a single second. I was any so video. Was
1: any video replays? No. Anything you know, showing up? Like, do you know media? what happened at the end of each game? Or I you know who I I won. Know,
2: I know who won. That's the extent of my college football playoff knowledge.
1: You didn't accidentally scroll through Twitter, or Instagram, you know, while you're looking for those summer apex, and then bang, there's the last play of the game. I don't, I don't even think. I,
2: I don't even think I opened Twitter during the game.
0: Damn, Damn. the summer ray pictures. I'm just Damn, saying, I, my
1: Instagram will be showing me stuff from the past. It <laughs> seems like mm, so are you I'm sure surprised. you want to?
0: Sh- you want to look on your explore page and see what's showing you, Destin? Do you want to? Right, not exactly. Hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get at least one football clip. It was
2: one of those, like, if I saw that it was a clip of the playoffs coming, I'll just scroll right past it real quick so I didn't have to look at it. I just wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. (laughs)
0: That's all right. I don't blame you. I think a lot of FSU fans were planning on doing that. But, um, actually, I don't know if it was successful. Because I saw a lot of tweets from FSU fans, and they were certainly watching the game. As was I. I wasn't fully interested. Also, noting that I was in a massive hangover throughout that whole stretch <laughs> of about eight hours upon waking up. I didn't ask for it, but it happened to me. Um, but yeah, bad choices were made. So I honestly was like, all right, let's just put the game on. And I barely stayed awake for the Washington game. I thought it was over and I turned it off in the, like the fourth quarter when Washington scored and then Texas somehow got another possess- or they had the possession and then went down there and, Had a chance, literally one play away from winning that game against Michael Penix, who watching him play and play football and throw the football is
1: really fun. I I can't lie. He was slinging that thing, hit some crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy deep balls. I mean, that was probably – he's been pretty good this whole season, you know, inconsistent at times, but when he's on, he's on. And that game on the other night against Texas, he was just slinging it in a rhythm. Some of those deep balls, I mean, you, you can't ask for a better throw. So uh... he's,
2: he's a really talented quarterback and he had a phenomenal season. If it wasn't for Jaden Daniels, just going nuclear, he would have won the Heisman. Now, I'm really curious to see where he ends up in the NFL draft. I know he's had two ACL surgeries. He's had some shoulder issues. He's obviously older, but at some point, talent's talent. I and mean, there's a lot of needy quarterback teams in the NFL. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, of, a lot of draft rooms and scout rooms going, man, what do we do with this kid?
1: And what's crazy is a lot of these top quarterbacks at one point in their respective recruitments, whether it was out of high school or whenever they transferred, were linked to Florida State. And, I mean, that includes Pennix, a guy that was recruited by Willie Taggart down the stretch. And Florida State ultimately (laughs) elected to go after a different quarterback who I believe was um, Emory Jones, who ended up at Florida. And, you know, they end up missing out on Pennix, who got really beat up whenever he was at Indiana. But now you're seeing that talent really come into a uh, center stage and man in front of the whole country the other night, he just absolutely lit it up.
2: Yeah. Four straight season ending injuries at Indiana, but he's been healthy. Hasn't missed a game so far at Washington. So hopefully all those injuries are behind him.
0: Michigan in the Rose Bowl ends up winning in overtime. Milro kept the keeper there. Didn't follow his guard off to the side, which would have been an easy touchdown for them to tie the game. Or if they wanted to go for two, if Nick Saban wanted to drop a sack on, Harbaugh there, but nonetheless, though Michigan wins, both one-loss teams, gentlemen, did not advance to the national championship, and one specifically, Alabama. We heard from a lot of FSU players, former players. Danny Canal, we put out a piece about him, not so uh, fond of Alabama getting that chance, and then also to the performance that Jalen Mil- Milrow put together. And I think there's some interesting stats. I don't have them here yet with me, but uh, passing yards wise,
1: one sixteen, uh, I believe.
2: I know, I know, he was sixteen of twenty three, and then it was it was somewhere in the low one hundreds that Tate Rodemaker mm-hmm. could have put up if he really wanted to.
1: I want to say it was one sixteen. He averaged uh, five yards per attempt. No touchdown passes um, during the night, so it's just a po- disappointing because we've been hearing for the last month. You know, there's been a media smear campaign, and you've he- you've heard it from the college football playoff selection committee about how they thought Florida State's offense wouldn't be able to compete in a playoff setting but then Alabama goes out there and lays an egg like that um, in this type of game against Michigan and you know with the way Florida State's defense was playing in that ACC championship and also the the week before that against Ford, I mean they were they were absolutely in a rhythm and you have to imagine you know giving Tate Rodemaker four weeks to prepare to be the starting quarterback instead of you know, just a couple days before they go on the road in Gainesville and then he suffers that concussion. I really do believe Florida State, they get a month to prepare for that game. The offensive game plan that they come out with is going to be a lot more stout than what they're able to do against Florida in Louisville in such a short time period. And, you know, it's just disappointing because we'll never know.
2: I mean, he wouldn't have lit the world on fire, but I think he's putting up more than 120 passing yards. Especially with the the weapons he would have had a receiver with with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman and Jaheem Bell he he would have they would have figured something out offensively Norvell's too good of a play caller to not get it figured out.
0: Yep, exactly. And then too, look on the other side, Florida State's defense and looking at McCarthy, yeah, he's kind of a guy that I guess they're really specifically calling a, a system guy, nothing too crazy. Spectacular, but he does lead Michigan on to wins, but just think about what Florida State would be bringing defensively, and I love, it's 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 so scary to see how many brain cells are lost in some fans, not understanding that the product that was put out against Georgia, against Georgia whole, that's not a Florida State team that we saw this entire season, but they're saying, okay, well, how would that be better now? buddy, this would have been a whole other team playing against Alabama. And that's just been the funny argument seen in social media, but you're not going to be able to entertain everybody and actually educate them on what happened because they're just going off of what they're hearing on storylines. And some of these national goobers that are saying things that make zero sense and don't do their own homework to understand that Florida state was at probably at tw- like a 30, 35, 40% strength when facing Georgia, <laughs> Georgia, who I think should could beat multiple teams in that college football playoff bracket. So, um, but that's just what you deal with, and that's what the situation you're at. And another reason why to, you know, maybe potentially get out of this awful conference that you're in because it's hurting you in every way imaginable at the moment.
2: The funniest thing is the is seeing the teams or seeing the fan bases that are standing up for Georgia. It's like Florida and Kentucky and South Carolina and teams that have never sniffed the college football playoff much less you know a win against georgia recently It's just absurd to me there was even there's even a florida fan i saw today on twitter that his he had changed his picture of to show the georgia florida state score of 63 to 3 and changed his name to say 63 to 3 isn't georgia your rival too Why, what are you doing it's, <laughs> it's 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 very easy to tell the intelligence level of some of these fans just based on what they bring to the table in an argument, because it's, very rarely is it a good argument.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you just can't even argue with people like that because it's based in <laughs> narratives instead of facts. And when you look at the last two depth charts of Florida State released leading up to that game against Georgia, you've got eighty, about 80% or so of those guys no longer on the roster going into the game against a team who is... Um, one of the the top five most talented rosters in the entire country from uh, top to bottom in Georgia. One that's got national championship experience from the last two years. And Georgia did have some guys who didn't play in the game, but not nearly as many impact guys, starters and 2D players like Florida State had missing in this one. And um, it's just a shame to see people run with that narrative because it's frankly just lazy and dishonest. But, you know, that's where we are.
2: And there's also that thing going around where Georgia was saying before the game, like we, ad- we wanted to annihilate them. We didn't have a choice because think about what the narrative would have been if Florida state was able to keep it close with their scout team and third teamers, you know, Georgia had no choice, but to absolutely annihilate Florida state. And I don't blame them. And, you know, Kirby smart said the right things in the bot po- or in the, uh, in the post game press conference, you know, this isn't what we wanted to do. It's, it's a shame that college football has come to this, but it's what we had to do. And I, I don't blame them whatsoever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a lot of implications going to this, along with, to the transfer portal and recruiting. All that goes into, you know, performing well to end off the season and uh, get some get some new guys uh, onto your team. And that's something that Kirby Smart brought up a few times, too, with Mike Narvella and the weekly uh, presser before we went into the game on that Friday morning. Uh, just a lot of this. The scheduling's got to be fixed. ANCA's got to do a lot of work with understanding this transfer portal situation and the timing of it, because it's really it makes it to where I tweeted it while we were at the game, but bowl games are done. Like I don't, I I used to like really want to watch them and like, I would have loved to watch. I mean, of course, Caleb Williams is a different animal, but different level, but just some of these other bigger players in college football. Like I really was looking forward to watching Bo played, and he actually played. And that's one of the really only other bowl games I was watching because I just didn't know who was actually going to be playing and the product that was going to be put on the field from those teams. And definitely, if you're weren't educated on anything that Florida state was putting out there on as a product on, on Saturday against Georgia, you would think Florida state looked like this all throughout the season, but you're, you're dealing with a true freshman quarterback and multiple handfuls of guys not out there on the field that were out there in 2023 that played a pivotal impact on Florida state, getting to where they are and still got to mention. Yeah. Jordan Travis, who did a lot of that work too, as well.
1: So, um, that's what yeah, makes it worth arguing. Tough. About. It's, it's not a Florida state issue. It's a college football issue. You know, Florida state was hit extremely hard, probably as much or more than anyone this postseason. But you look across the country at teams playing in these bowl games, the majority of teams have lost at least one player, if not a multitude of players for a variety of reasons, whether it's because of the head coach of that team has went somewhere else. They've decided to enter the transfer portal. They're protecting their draft stock. Um, That's just kind of where the sport has kind of floated over to um, at this point. And it's going to be interesting to see if they do anything to change it. Because like you said, Logan, watching these bowl games, it's always been a treat in the past. But just with the way things are and teams being dismantled going into these final games of the season, it doesn't make things near as exciting. You know, a lot of people would tune in on a random Tuesday in December to watch Western Kentucky and Mm-hmm. Iowa state play or, or some random matchup just, just because it's, it's exciting to see what these teams can do when they play against each other. You don't see matchups like this very often, but now with the roster so much different, you know, it just kind of, it takes the fun out of it.
2: They're in the wild west of college football right now, where there's just so many moving parts that NCAA and other administrations just said, okay, here, have fun. And it's just, there's no regulations. There's just absolutely nothing controlling, you know, Guys opting out, guys transferring the transfer portals happening in the middle of bowl prep. It's the same time as early signing day. It's like we were talking about the last few weeks, just absolutely hell for these coaching staffs in December. They can do some things to kind of ease the process a little bit, whether that's you know, getting rid of an early signing day or pushing it back to January, pushing bowl games up a couple weeks, pushing back the transfer portal, you know, a week or two. Just some things here and there that can make some things easier. And I've seen people talk about, you know, bowl games giving players incentives or putting it in their NIL contracts, but I think that's not allowed just because of the pay-for-play things. So they'll get it figured out eventually, and until these until these players are contracted employees, it's hard to see it really changing for these bigger teams, but it will help with the 12-team playoff. I know I talked about it last week, but a lot of the bigger teams that miss that in the past would have missed a bowl game will now be in the playoff, and you won't see those same opt-outs. So hopefully that'll help a lot. And honestly, we need to see more bowls like the Pop-Tart Bowl where they're just having all these silly things and having an, an edible mascot. You know, the fans like the fans like to see that. It was kind of entertaining to see a edible pop tart that was human sized. I don't know why it was entertaining, but it was. And yeah, honestly that the more the bowls lean into this silliness and this goofiness, I think it'll help them a little bit.
0: Yeah, the New Year's bowls, New Year's six bowls, Fiesta bowl, um, and then Think about the Peach Bowl too. Some of these bigger bowls that we used to like really stay tuned to every year, just because you would see great matchups with one another. You always want to see kind of these uh, different conferences play with each other. You don't really get to see that chance anymore because some teams are wiping out other teams. Florida State was not one of the only teams too during this bowl season where some teams were just getting obliterated or it was over by halftime, and it just didn't make it any kind of fun to watch. And so some of these other bowls that at least aren't in those college football playoff bracket ones. Those are taking some pretty significant hits, but, um, like I think the Liberty game that, that barely lasted long there with Oregon, uh, just a just a handful of games throughout this uh, bowl season where you're just not as tuned in as as you used to. So definitely, definitely a crappy situation right now, and what the NCAA's got to do fixing this wise, and I don't know why they're dragging their feet. It, it's been years. It, it's been a couple of years now, but like these things what, need to be fixed What can they do? Like what are we? That's what they got to figure out. That's their job. They're getting they're getting paid all the big bucks. This like is not where I come and figure it out.
1: They can't even give someone an answer on a waiver before a season starts. You think they're going to be able to figure this out? I mean, <laughs> they, man, that's what I'm saying.
0: They've got they've got webs and every they're their own mess. They need to fix. <laughs> there there's a
2: there's a decent lead, there, there's a decent chance that what Florida State's doing with their lawsuit against the ACC that if this works and they get out of the grant of rights that you know, conferences won't exist really anywhere, but especially in football. And you have this thing that Chip Kelly was talking about, where you just have one big football conference with 60, however, 60, however many teams you rotate, you do it regionally, and then they're all split in the TV contract instead of doing it just by conference. And this way you're not having Stanford play Florida state in women's volleyball. Like that's a huge expense for both of those teams. Just make it football their own thing and leave all the sports to their own thing. I, th- I think that's coming sooner than we might expect, especially if this Florida State lawsuit goes the way Florida State wants it to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's move into uh, Florida State's new quarterback for the 2024 season uh, because I know we've got uh, a lot of listeners in here. First off, don't have DGAU coming on here for uh, the stream. I wish we did. There isn't a it's not that it's uh, not going to happen, but uh, something that we'll try to do once he arrives into Tallahassee. But DJ youngagale is a Florida State Seminole. If anybody wants to know the the size of this guy, 6'4", 252. Not, your, not the caliber of what you had with Jordan Travis or even Tate Rodemacher. Uh The difference in size there, 6'4", 252 compared to Jordan Travis, 6'1", 212. Whole different body type there that coach quarterbacks coach Tony Tokard is going to be working with moving forward. And uh, Mike Norvell's system as the signal caller, uh, formerly of Oregon State. He put up 2,638 yards on the air, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, a lot of games this year where he had to put up uh, quite a bit of points. And throughout his season, but gentlemen, overall, just thoughts on him. We kind of talked about him last week, uh, just because we knew that he would be visiting Florida State, and kind of jumped into depth there on him. But uh, sort of, a, he's got the ability to be that dual threat quarterback with his legs, but you could see he's really trying to improve on on air. And previously, as we know from Clemson up there in Death Valley with Dabo Sweeney, but officially a Florida State, someone also beat Florida State. A couple of years back, as well in Doak Campbell Stadium,
1: as you alluded to, not your typical quarterback. Uh, DJU is a big dude, six foot four, two hundred fifty-two pounds. You mentioned you kind of compared him to Jordan Travis, but just going back through some quarterbacks through the years, EJ Manuel was six foot four, two hundred thirty-seven pounds. Um, Jameis, I think he was a little bit bigger in this at one point, but they had him at six foot four, two hundred and thirty-one pounds. And how about James Blackman? Six foot five, 190 pounds. Uh, that's, so.
2: that's that's a little on the optimistic side for Blackman.
1: <laughs> but DJU, um, very big guy, physical specimen. And, you know, not only with his body, but with his arm. Comes in with an extremely um, big arm, can make all the throws. And it's going to be very fun to watch what he can do under the tutelage of Mike Norvell and Tony Tokars. You know, we've seen what they've been able to do with Jordan Travis over the last couple of years. And I think it's got to be exciting, you know, bringing in someone with the experience that DJU has. They're obviously very familiar with him, like you mentioned, have gotten to see him play in Doe Campbell Stadium before, also played against him up in Death Valley, and Clemson actually ended up winning both of those games, um, obviously. But DJ, an extremely talented player, transferred to Oregon State for the 2023 season, had a career high in passing yards, also averaged a career high 8.4 yards attempt after averaging uh, 6.8 yards per attempt the the season before. So actually ended up with a higher average uh, per attempt and also more passing yards on less total throws than he did during his two years as a starter at Clemson. So showed some signs of improvement. And I'm wondering if he can take it up um another level, you know, once he gets here to Florida State and gets a chance to work with his coaching staff and the playmakers that he's gonna have around him.
2: He's got a big arm. You know, he really likes to stretch the field vertically. And we saw that this past season at Oregon State. It was it's frustrating watching quarterbacks at Clemson because Florida or because Clemson just wants to get quarterbacks that play in their system instead of what Mike's gonna do and fit the system around the quarterback. I think this is gonna be dju's best case situation for him we'll see if it's what's best for florida state i've said it on twitter you you know what you're getting in dj and that's a good thing and at his size there's no reason for florida state to struggle on fourth and shorts again like they did this year i mean 6'4 250 touch push him every Mm -hmm. single time and he should be getting it it's not gonna be like jordan travis who i think he's listed at what 210 205 and you could tell that he just didn't have the lower body strength in some of the situations, DJU is going to have that lower body strength, and it's going to help them in those fourth of shorts like we saw in the Duke game where they just could not get fourth of shorts. So I'm fascinated to see what Mike does with this offense. It's He's kind of similar to Travis in terms of play style, but he's got a bigger arm and is a little bit more consistent down the field, but they both kind of have the same inaccuracy issues that we saw a little bit this past year with Travis.
0: Yeah, and really, too, what Florida State has around DJ and what they could do, too, and the transfer portal, which is going to make some things really interesting. I know they were after Cam Ward and kind of feeling both of those quarterbacks out, and Cam Ward obviously now picking to go on the NFL side. So now you bring in a guy with DJ who has that experience. He has he has a motor that if he needs to take the ball and run with it, he can make some plays. and there, He made some splash plays, plays this previous year and just his one-year stop at Oregon State um, but I just think it's really unique that DJ and go back and looking at some of these interviews he really wanted to come to Florida State um, and I thought that was something unique to me be- just because of his respect for Mignervell obviously as a head coach and I don't I think Mignervell's re- respect level is really high right now just across the college football world and in the landscape there if you know you actually know what's going on but to Tony Tokars, and what he's been able to develop and what he was able to shape uh, previously when Kenny Dillingham was here, but specifically what he did with Jordan Travis and, and getting him to where he needed to be of a Heisman caliber quarterback. And that's what DJ wants to do. And he probably too is, is wanting to reach uh, some type of championship. I mean, he kind of had that with Clemson there, of course, but wasn't able to get developed maybe like he maybe could over here and Tallahassee. It's two different type of coaching staffs and a uh, different um, bit of offense as well. But definitely weapons-wise and what Florida State's returning, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes, on the offensive line, it makes you feel optimistic from DJ's point of view to come into and, and Tallahassee and, and take advantage of the opportunity. Definitely with the program that's soaring, with the 2024 class that has brought in a lot of talent and the previous class with skilled players
1: around them. There's no doubt that Florida State was the team that was circled on his list. Um, Tallahassee was the only trip that he took during his transfer recruitment. And, you know, ever since then, seems like he's just been kind of waiting on whatever Cam Ward was going to decide to do. And, you know, Ward decided to go to the NFL. That opens things up for DJ to commit to Florida State. And like you said, Logan, um, I think he's really enamored with what FSU did with Jordan Travis because we've seen him Every single season from 2021 to 2022 to this past season, Jordan's taken um, a step, if not multiple steps, every single year, continued to improve into something that we didn't think necessarily was possible whenever he got to Florida State. I mean, FSU really opened his ceiling up, and so did Jordan Travis with how hard he worked on and off the field as well to get to that level. And DJU, you know, we saw Mike Norvell's comment about him whenever he was added, um, a guy that they – really think is a hard worker on and off the field just like Jordan Travis someone that they have respect for how he's been able to win games at the college level and I think with the way they're going to be put these receivers around them you know it seems like they're still going after some guys in the transfer portal um, the backfield some good guys coming back and also some coming in and then as you also mentioned that that experience offensive line is going to be huge and I also think DJ you know he sees who Florida State's going to be playing in 2024 going to be hosting Clemson. Indo Campbell Stadium, and he'll get a shot at playing against his old team and getting a victory.
2: It's a much more talented team than he was playing with last year, and you know Oregon State was a good team that had some good players that are good, going to go to the NFL, going to be productive pieces elsewhere in the college landscape. But you know Florida State still got better talent, you know, especially especially a running back and wide receiver, and they're only going to improve that in the portal if they can land some of these guys that are visiting campus. Um, it's going to get Pretty excited for DJ. I think he's. I think he's really tantalized by what could be this offense this year if some of these guys, you know, step it up.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely don't have to worry about just the people that are uh, Florida State and Mike Norvell is going to put around DJ. And I, I still think too that that offensive line we're going to talk about here in a minute having those uh, having those guys up there solidified, experienced in FSU system is one of the big reasons too for dj to come over to Tallahassee. that's big for any kind of quarterback but you know it's a it's a bridge here too that was a big discussion too i got on some of the social media posts that we were putting out inside of our comments was just you know what about you know luke romanhawk what about brock glenn and you know the answer is you know those those guys aren't ready and i think Florida state too knows that they can still make some waves and make some moves in 2024 it's not going to be the same high expectations as it was in 2023 no but they can still make some moves and they, the goal is always to reach and, and get to that ACC championship of course yes it's to get to that national championship but that first thing to do like mike said is reach that ACC championship and you know just a few pieces there to fix up and repair you can get there yes there's quite a bit to do and you're not going to have that same experience that you had the last couple of years with the playmakers that are gone either and, and gone on to the league the majority of them were deciding to hit the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, th- this is a bridge year. And if you want to get see how far Florida State can possibly go as a team, this is where you bring in a well-experienced player of this magnitude with DJ Ueyangaglay. <laughs> Bang. I'm back. I'm, back down, down. I'm, I'm proud of myself. But now the spelling thing. I've used – I can't lie. I've used a couple copy and paste. It's going to take just a couple more days, and then we'll get that down as well.
2: It's just going to be DJU.
0: No, no, I can't do that. Can't do that for the keywords and the social media <laughs> posts. But I, I gotta say, yes, the last couple of posts have been copy and paste. about. we'll, we'll get it right.
1: We'll get it right. Got to start off first with saying it. The roster. Uh, anything
0: else on DJU though?
1: Yeah, I was just saying the roster obviously isn't as talented entering this off season as it was last year. But this is still a really good team in Tallahassee that has a lot to compete for in 2024. And I think there's a belief, you know, they add a couple of pieces on both sides of the ball to shore some things up. And, you know, they're not going to be, I don't think 13 and no next season, but have a real chance to battle for another ACC championship. And who knows, maybe a berth in that 12 team, 12, yeah. 12 team playoff, depending on how things go down the stretch. So wow. you, you get DJ, you've gotten a defensive end so far and Marvin Jones Jr. Um, with Gilbert Edmond moving out who, I'm guessing we'll get to shortly. I think Florida State, they're still going to be active there, looking for some more guys that can help off the edge. Um, Everyone saw how the linebacker room looked in the Orange Bowl. I think it's clear that Florida State's looking for probably multiple transfers in that room to buff some things up there. Because right now, Omar Graham Jr. is your most experienced player um, in that unit. So you need some more experience. You need some more talent. And, you know, there are some other positions where Florida State could add a guy if it's the right fit and – you know, some guys coming on campus these next couple of days, prospects can transfer prospects can visit from the third through the seventh. And there'll be a couple of guys coming into Tallahassee. So we'll see if they're able to pull off any uh, commitments over the next couple of days.
2: Yeah. I know you mentioned Brock and Luke real quick for the quarterbacks. I think DJ is the perfect guy to bring in and be a mentor to those guys, that one-year bridge quarterback, let the guys get some practice reps and learn from a guy that's seen it all in college football. He's played in some of the biggest environments, you know, whether it's in Death Valley or whether it's, you know, Playing, playing Oregon, playing Washington. He's played yeah. some really good, really good teams in some really tough environments, and I think that's going to help Brock and Luke out a lot this season.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Got a comment here too. You know, if they want to bring in a wide receiver that's familiar with the, uh, already has built-in chemistry with DJ. You no, know, there could be some. The it's an offensive there. lineman, offensive lineman in the portal too. So I mean, offensive linemen are catching passes
1: now. Lately, so. well, well, I just <laughs> Not, mean Florida State. They could always use another body. I mean, we saw. Oh how yeah. they got last year, and you know, if you were able to bring someone in uh, that has experience with DJ, I think that's only a, a benefit. I'm talking about Tanner Miller, um, a graduate transfer from Oregon State that's in the portal.
0: Joseph said, "We are going 13 and 0 again. Are you guys true fans or employees?
1: We are employees." <laughs>
2: And they're we not did. they're not going 13 0. We do this
1: for a job. <laughs> we picked Georgia to win the Orange Bowl, and then they won by a lot more than any of us predicted. <laughs> so I don't yeah. So we might need to be better at our job. Apparently. Really.
2: Yeah. They're not going 13 0 next year, I don't think though.
1: Yeah, 15 0, right? Yeah, come on. <laughs>
0: hey, at least VZ's got it quoted. He's got a quote. He could clip it. He's like, I didn't get it wrong. Oh man. Sure. Yeah. Uh I don't know if you want to tell Corey this, but do you want to let Corey know here on Twitter that you're still in tally? Is that
1: not Carrie? It's
2: definitely Carrie.
0: What <laughs>
1: did I say? Corey. Corey. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie. Yeah, I'm, I'm here.
0: I'm here. <laughs> I guess we just had to let Carrie know. Uh, oh, there we go. Carrie said that Furman offensive lineman played with my son.
1: Okay.
0: Good to know. A good you know, fact. Hey, hit hit uh hit D-Loo's, uh DMS if you got any goodies.
1: Let me scoop there.
0: I got it's Skype. Scoop I got season.
1: Zoom. I got Twitter. I got Instagram. I got Facebook. I'm Not going to tell you what they are, but I got. But Discord. You got
0: Discord in there? No.
1: No. It's okay. messed
2: up, man.
0: It's messed up. You're not fully open to our listeners. That is really messed up. Um. Congos asking, will this be FSU's final season in the ACC? I sure hope so. Season. Things better. Get this thing rolling. Get this. I don't know. I don't know the timetable for law stuff. So, like, we're, we're we're gonna bring we're gonna be on an expert, but I don't know how we're gonna go into deep discussion. It's gonna be like two, three Dumbo's. Like, so what does that mean after he says
1: everything? Or she. <laughs>
2: We're gonna be saying, can you say that in English, please? A lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, the whole entire time. the 20-minute PowerPoint, we just sit here and stare. Just, <laughs> just sit here and be like, yep, yeah,
0: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Be like a class lecture on all of this. But, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if uh, Florida State's still in the ACC after the season. I think a lot of things would have to be quickly going and get on a hop. But um, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's talk about some Florida State players that are returning. Let's go do some – continue the good news here. Go from DJ. Let's go over to a couple of these guys that are returning, some impactful players. Let's start off with Pat Payton. There was some kind of chatter, kind of like last year, but some chatter about Pat Payton if he was going to return to Florida State or maybe look elsewhere, uh, just specifically in Transfer Portal, NIL market. But Pat Payton is returning for the 2024 season, which is huge for Florida State in that defensive end room going across the side of Marvin Jones Jr., who they brought in from the transfer portal from Georgia. So, boom, bring him back along with another defensive end with Byron Turner, a guy that has continued to make some strides throughout his career at Florida State. Keonje Dron- Jones, the former Auburn offensive lineman. He's joined in that guard spot. That's a big one who, honestly, kind of felt like that Dimitri Emmanuel Once he got going, kind of felt like that Dimitri Emanuel you had in the year – prior of that consistency there. And I know uh, Coach Atkins is really excited about having him back, along with Robert Scott. He's going to be here for another season for Florida State at the offensive tackle position, and then also to Maurice Smith and Darius Washington. So you're bringing bringing back a lot of experience, a lot of experience into your starting center, who you've had the last three years, and Darius Washington, who has been probably your most talented offensive lineman, uh this past year and has continued to make really good strides under coach atkins
1: it's huge uh this is absolutely massive for Florida states offense moving into next season because these guys all have a ton of experience they've shown their talent they can obviously compete at this level it really just comes down to keeping them all healthy throughout the season because robert scott you know was on the field for less than 200 snaps this year and obviously he's someone who is. Uh, garnered the interest of NFL scouts and has really shown that potential to maybe be an NFL player if he's able to stay healthy and put a good season on tape. That hasn't happened the past two years, but maybe, you know, this offseason he can finally get right and come out and make a big impact for Florida State in 2024. Darius Washington, also someone that I think has um, the potential to make it to the NFL level, really showed off that versatility this past year with his ability to transition from left tackle to center, you know, contributing at right tackle some as well. Um, I think it's an underrated thing that Forest State can just move him across the offensive line no matter who is in and who's out, and he's going to go perform. Marie um, Smith has been really that cog in the middle for Forest State for the last couple of years. Also someone who's dealt with some injury issues, but he really showed off that toughness, I think, down the stretch of this season where he fought through some injuries. And, you know, there were some times where he went down and we didn't know if he was going to get up, and he was hobbling – um, you could tell that he was hurt, but he played through it and fought, fought to be out there. And then KeAndre Jones, you know, had some really good moments um his first season in Tallahassee since transferring in from Auburn. But having all these four guys back, you've still got, you know, Julian Armella, Jalen Early, guys like that who are growing in the back end. And Florida State, they're gonna push for some guys, at least one, maybe multiple in the transfer portal to continue adding bodies to that room as well.
2: Yeah, the offensive line wasn't great this past year, and there was a lot of complaints about them, me being one of the chief complainers. But a lot of it was just due to health. Guys couldn't stay healthy, and they were rotating different offensive lines seemingly every single game. If some of these guys can stay healthy, like Dustin was mentioning, there's absolute talent and potential there. If they can roll with the same five or six guys throughout the whole 2024 season, it's going to help that team a lot and really help the running game a lot because you know, there's a lot of times last year where – guys just couldn't get their counter assignments correct or they couldn't get their pulling assignments correct. They got to get that fixed. And I think health and continuity will only help with that. So good decision to bring guys back like Mo and Rob and, and Keandre.
1: The talent is clearly there. It just all comes down to health and, you know, offensive linemen, they're prone to get beat up throughout the season. And health really comes down to luck more than anything, especially when you're playing that many snaps, that many that many games. So you've got to hope they've, they've got some plans in place to help those guys um, bounce back and, and be in a better area um, entering fall camp. And also, Jeremiah Byers, haven't heard a decision yet from him one way or the other. Redshirt Jr. has one season of eligibility remaining and you know, had an up-and-down year Um, I thought he played pretty well um, during that October stretch, but then there were also some moments where he really struggled as well. And he's debating either coming back to FSU or maybe going to the NFL draft. I think another year with the Seminoles um, could definitely benefit him. And, you know, if you're able to retain him alongside those other four guys, you've got to feel confident about this offensive line and the guys in the back end if they can continue to grow. NFL draft. No. Yeah,
0: shouldn't. <laughs> So you think you should come back? Okay. <laughs> should be advised. He, I think, yeah, should be advised that he should come back for sure. But for Marie Smith, man, I love Marie Smith. It was nice to actually getting time to spend one-on-one time with him. I wish we could do that more with a ton of players on this show. But it, it felt nice being able to sit down and just really talk with Marie Smith because he's been through it all in this program. If you think about it, man, he's going to be one of those that we talk about uh, after next season that he's just seen the downs and and now the high ups. And he's going to be – I just would love to pick his brain more. You know, on Jordan Travis, we talked about him quite a bit and how the change from going from a player like that to Brock Lynn as a true freshman and uh, just someone that has stuck around and has really embodied being a leader. And he's just not talked about a ton and enough. He's not a skilled player. You know, offensive linemen aren't going to be talked about a ton and that kind of magnitude. But Smith, just being around him at practices and just seeing the accountability that he puts in into a lot of these true freshmen coming in, these sophomores and just other guys, too, uh, on his uh, experience level on that offensive line, he's really a big piece of glue for not only that offensive line, but offensively and as a program, someone that you would love to keep in that locker room. So uh shout out to Mo man, coming back for another season. I really hope he can take this time to fully, fully, you know, recover and get a full strength. Marie Smith, which we haven't fully had yet, but it's crazy. He keeps going out there and playing D Lou. Um, And and you see all these other centers, too. What happened with Alabama, all these centers with some bad snaps and having some inconsistencies there, that's also uh, one good part about Marie Smith, man, gets the freaking ball to you. And if you look at some of those practices, D. Lou, you and I were at last couple of years, everybody behind Marie Smith, it is not a pretty sight at times at practice watching some of these
1: snaps go to the quarterback or try to get to the quarterback. Snapping the ball consistently is an underrated skill. You don't realize how – underrated is until you don't have it and like you said Logan there were some moments in practice over the last couple of years where whenever Marie Smith was having to miss some time due to injury or or whatnot it wasn't pretty out there there were times where Florida State couldn't really run the offense at all and that's one big that's one reason why Darius Washington stepping up this year and beginning to find that consistency at center um, and stepping in whenever Marie Smith was out of lineup and performing at a high level that was so big because we just had we haven't seen that over the last couple of years it was surprising and credit to how much work Darius Washington put in because it wasn't easy for him when he first got to center. I mean, he put in a lot of work to be able to play like he was playing when he got inserted into that lineup. Both of those guys are huge, you know, both entering their six seasons in Tallahassee and you've got Robert Scott going into his fifth year. Um, You know, he's been here for a while as well. So I think having that trio, you know, you've got Keandre Jones who has played a ton as well. We'll see if Byers comes back and who Florida State's able to add in the transfer portal. But, you know, Early on, before this 2024 season, for the spring and offseason conditionings, even really getting started, I think you've got to like what FSU's doing up front, as long as these guys can stay healthy. I mean, it's a talented group for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, you got your quarterback, and it's going to be fun, too, in a couple of weeks, and we get a a really good feel for what Florida State's going to be bringing into that transfer portal to put around DJ, and there's some things too that they got to do defensively. And let's jump over to a player that's decided to enter the transfer portal. This one potentially, potentially uh, of shock to maybe some FSU fans, but I don't think it's too big, I would say, but it would be nice for him to return, I think, and for the State's favor. But Gilbert Edmond, the former uh, South Carolina transfer defensive end, has decided to enter the NCAA transfer portal. A player that was behind Jared Verse and, of course, Pat Payton as well. But looking for probably some more playing time just because of what he sees coming in with Marvin Jones Jr., Georgia transfer, and Pat Payton announcing his return for 2024. But D'Lew, you know, I think, and Austin too, to me this is more of, you know, I want to get that chance at a starting role and get more snaps and and that kind of feeling more than anything out of this. And he just understands kind of what the situation is and what he, what the staff has probably told Marvin Jones Jr. Um, No, no spot is given and until it's earned type of deal, but nonetheless, I I still think it'd be hard for Gilbert Edelman to try to get more playing time and achieve that over Pat Payne and Marvin Jones Jr. and what, they're trying to do with Marvin Jones Jr. in this system that they feel might fit better for him.
1: I think this was probably probably the best move for both parties. Obviously, you've got Gilbert going into his final season of eligibility, and he wants a chance to showcase his talent. You know, maybe trying to aspire to make it to the professional level, depending on how the 2024 season goes. But then you look at Florida State. You know, you've got Patrick Payton at one side locking things up you got marvin jones jr coming in former five-star prospect a ton of potential there that Florida states hoping to unlock um you've got byron turner jr who has shown some promising flashes and actually got earned the starting spot um in the orange bowl over edmund and then i just think edmund was a little bit disappointing i mean to frankly uh, during this 2023 season um, you know, was the primary backup there in that rotation for a while to Jared Verse and Patrick Payton, but only finished with 23 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and one sack. He just wasn't very productive, and this was honestly one of the the few misses that I think Florida State's had in that edge uh, position. You know, since they've gotten here in the transfer portal, you know, look at what they're able to do with Jermaine Johnson, with Keir Thomas, obviously Jared Verse now hoping to do the same thing with Marvin Jones Jr. just didn't work out with gil bradman for whatever reason and you know i think it just makes sense for both parties to kind of move on from one another
2: yeah I mean, he was 12th on the team in pressures behind guys like daniel lyons tata bethune Shaheen brown just guys that realistically shouldn't be ahead of an edge in terms of pressures and you know i think we all really like his athleticism i just don't know if he was ever going to realize it here at florida state and <clears throat> florida state needs scholarships right now they need some spots for some of these guys that they're pursuing in the portal uh dustin i know you did a breakdown on twitter earlier but Florida State's looking at, what, five, six spots currently, and I think they'd like to maybe open up one or two more if they can.
1: Maybe even more than that, I mean, if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I've got some
0: youngsters. Really, I'm really excited for Lamont Green Jr., but he's just someone that had to deal with an injury his freshman year, still putting on size as well with Coach Storms, but someone that I am super stoked to see, hopefully take that next step as we move into spring ball. D. Lou, just because of what we saw on the field up close and personal, that get off speed, just hearing Odell Higgins too. He's seen nothing like it, nothing like it. And I definitely for sure haven't, but just that speed that he has. But if he can match that with what Coach Storms could add in with some power and some size there to build some base on him, uh, I, I just think the, the ceiling for him as a youngster in that defensive end room, there's such a really just bright future there for him. I'm, I'm excited. We'll um, see. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm going to I'm gonna have to come up there to tally. D. you got an extra bed I can come up there for
1: for the first week of spring camp? No, but we might be able to fit you in the middle of us. Hmm. Me and my wife. Hmm. I think I'll just ask my
0: family just to probably stay at one of the sure. rooms then. I'll probably pass on that. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for about most of this. We're going to talk about some Tate Rodemaker here uh, to finish off the show. It's not going to be too long of one. Uh, it's been a long, it's been a long week, really two weeks, three weeks. This whole December was nuts. And we're already into January and it's three days in. So, but uh, we're, we're rolling. Nonetheless, Tate Rodemaker is going to visit an ACC school. I don't know why I went with like a country accent there. I have no what, idea. What, but, what I don't you even know. know I, don't, I, don't I don't even know what you said. What did you even
2: say? I don't,
0: I don't even know. Like it, it sounded like a reason. I like, yeah, I was going to see did. Shane Beamer, like visit Shane Beamer. But then I went with SEC and I like mixed it both together. But expected to visit Shane Beamer and the Game Cox. Um, how we feel about this? You think it's a uh, good fit for uh, old Taylor I maker? mean,
2: South Carolina's just been taking everybody's scraps the last couple of weeks. So yeah, makes
1: sense. Damn. Forest wow. Aid's taking so many players from South Carolina that they're fighting back.
2: This is a fair trade. But what know? they don't
1: realize is that. I bet she's okay with it.
2: I'll I'll take the Kier Thomas, Jamie Robinson, <laughs> and Jaheem Bell for Tate Robinson. And Gilbert.
1: He's and Gilbert.
2: He's already gone. I don't count him anymore. So Kier, Jamie, and and uh
1: <laughs> Gilbert counts.
2: And Jaheem for Tate. That's a that's a pretty fair trade to me. You know, quarterback carries a lot of value.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh best of all, I, I feel like I guess we're just not gonna get a message from Tay Rodemaker here. You don't think he'll put out like a message
1: here? Thank you, FSU for the years. Thank you, Coach Tokars, anything public maybe when he maybe when he commits to his new school, he'll put out like some big message, but there's definitely some turmoil there in what happened on the week of,
0: of Florida State versus Georgia and that orange bowl. I I think the longer this kind of goes on though, and there's not kind of public announcement. And thank yous, then, ooh, I don't think FSU fans are going to like this kid a lot more.
2: Doesn't really
1: matter. Fair point.
0: Maybe, but he did some, did some big things for the program at times. And then, you know, he g- gained that fan traction, but now is going to start getting a lot of hate, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe the fans will tell us in the chat. We got 255 people in here. So maybe is just how knows?
1: the wheel goes.
0: What do you think? I don't know. Wesley says he has no hate on Tate. So, I
2: I, I don't hate Tate, but like, I'm just indifferent.
0: And I mean, I can
1: understand with the way it was timed why some Florida State fans would feel sour about it. I mean, Tate Rodemaker he was taking first team reps in those bowl practices.
2: Yeah, but if 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 to believe Brock Glenn, then the team knew about it. You know, a few days before the team did, so they knew about but it when the,
1: they were on the way back from holiday break. So at that point, half of bowl preparation is over, and it's
2: a few days though.
1: It had been taken, however many snaps. <laughs> a few days, God, to get ready I, for. I Dorf- this isn't gonna, for against Liberty. I just think it was going to happen. Do Take, it before okay. the bowl practices. It doesn't. It didn't
2: matter who was starting a quarterback that game. You know, well, Tate Rodemaker could have put up ten points, maybe.
0: But I'm also just saying for the opponent from his point of view, like he's got. A, I'm thinking about my PR team here, and like this is a good mood to screw over my teammates. Just a couple days out, and here you go. Here, and just to Brock Glenn itself too, that puts him in a. I mean, shout, shout out to Brock. I can't wait to talk about him a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. But you know, he said, F it, I'll, I'll take it on." But just to leave a true freshman in that kind of situation, man, I don't know. To I don't know. He's got to he's got to get an out, announcement out there soon, though. In my opinion, he's got to get it out, or maybe FSU fans will just stop caring about him. Like Mary said on Facebook, he's irrelevant. So there you go. Um, anything else? Anything else? That's all we. I mean, did you not? Uh, Rodney Hill him? and yeah. Rodney Hill and Quishon Sapp, no longer with FAMU because of Willie Simmons taking on that job up there at duke the running backs job so i, I was, guess uh Sim- i was gonna say i like simmons and tallahassee because it seemed like mike Norvell and then they're building a pretty good relationship they have a really good relationship but i think it's good oh, to have yeah. that with famu fsu ties i think that's great for both universities and just the town itself it's really i, I it was really cool to see both those guys really heavily supporting one another
1: I was surprised, honestly, to see him take that job because he's really um, kept FAMU respectable over the last couple of years. And twelve and one this past season won the Celebration Bowl. Um, you have to think, you know, maybe a couple more years of success, he's looking at maybe a group of five job or a head coaching job or something like that. So to, it was a little weird to see him take that leap to Duke to be a positional coach. But I, you know, I'm not sure what the salary figures are or whatnot. But yeah, obviously that led to Rodney Hill and SAP reopening things now looking for a new transfer destination. And in that same um, line of talk, you also had FSU director of offensive scouting, John Garrett, take the uh, general manager of player personnel job with Duke. So he'll be moving over there with Manny Diaz getting into an elevated role and um, been with Florida State the last two years to help scouting with, you know, opponents and players, scouting FSU's own roster, you know, watching things during practice. And, yeah, he is moving on to Duke. And, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see a couple guys um, from that same recruiting office kind of follow him over there. We've actually already seen one of them on social media, Mitch. uh, I think it's Cianor. But I put it I put it in our Discord chat, but he's actually going over with John Garrett to Duke. And Duke will be coming – well, actually, Florida State will be traveling to Duke in 2024 to take on the Blue Devils. So you have a little bit of a reunion of sorts, especially with Manny Diaz and his Florida State ties. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the coaching tree, though. It just kind of
0: continues to build out and not even just coaches but analysts and off-the-field roles. That's something that Florida State – has kind of built on its own from Mike Norvell and his past experience doing that at his previous stops and doing it now. It's just kind of just what happens whenever Mike Norvell goes into a new season. There's some guys that move on and take some better opportunities and uh, get paid a little bit more too and, and get those raises as they deserve. So uh, there'll be a few more I'm sure we'll be covering all throughout this off season as well. Uh, Mr. Cole says VZ. So That's I don't know good, what D. He's Cole's.
2: Hey, I heard from him in a minute.
0: Yeah, tuning in on the – now we get the Twitter comments in here. A year, glad, a year later.
1: Glad you're still with us, Mr. Coles.
0: In. Do you know Mr. Coles? Yeah. No, I, but VZ does.
2: Yeah. He was in the athletic <laughs> administration office when I was there.
0: Oh, there you go. That is some context for us there, VZ. Thank you for tuning in here, though, uh, Mr. Coles. I don't think there's anything else. VZ, can we get a halftime score update on basketball?
2: Florida State is up 32 to 19 at halftime. Uh, Georgia Tech shooting just 26% for the floor. They've made eight shots. They have one more made shot than they do turnovers. So uh, hopefully Florida State doesn't find a way to blow this second half lead. Can only hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, our guy Tom's back in here too from uh, Facebook. Yeah, we're also now streaming on Instagram too. So if you guys want to tune there and too, we're streaming to all of about all of our Twitter accounts as well. So we upped the upgrade here, upped our subscription and got some new fancy stuff and added in a few more distribution channels on here as well. So um, we're going to be posting quite a bit to our YouTube throughout this whole off season coverage. Isn't stopping. We just won't have our instant reactions. Obviously post games from games. will just be live on Wednesday nights, unless there's some kind of crazy News, but we didn't even go and have an instant reaction to uh DJ uh, Uyi Gangale.
2: God. Yeah, you butchered. I ripped it in the middle. I
0: ripped it in the
1: middle.
2: You've gotten worse throughout the podcast. Give us no, a
1: pronunciation guide, Austin.
2: What's up, Give us a pronunciation
1: guide. Break it down for us. Uyi Ungale. Uyi Youngagle. See, yeah, mine's a little more smoother.
0: I had like, yeah, you said the G
2: twice. Uyi Ungale. Ui you're still saying, I don't know if it's like your tongue clicking or something, but it sounds like you're saying the G twice. I'm, I'm going quick. Ui tongue is
0: quick. My tongue is quick. Ui you're
2: with me on this, right, Dustin? He's saying the G twice.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like slightly
1: off. You're saying it too fast. Why are you bad? at
0: Dustin of all people who calls Odell Higgins, <laughs> Higgins, their
1: second network? You got, you got proof? It's live. Yes, proof? it's you live. Have proof? <laughs> we have proof <laughs> it was live. But the only other actual news I have on here is, you know, people keep asking in the chat, but um, Purdue outside linebacker transfer, Nick Scorton, supposed to be in Tallahassee for an official visit. Um, tomorrow, I believe it's just a one-day visit. And he actually led the Big Ten in sacks um, in 2023, finished with 50 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, and 10 sacks while playing in the Big Ten. And played a ton of snaps, um, was extremely reliable, one of the Boilermakers' highest graded players of the entire season. And someone who's extremely coveted right now in the transfer portal, looks like he actually received a crystal ball to Texas A&M where he was was in College Station today for – Um, what I believe was his first visit of his transfer recruitment, but expected in Tallahassee. I think there's a couple other visits on the list as well. Um, But as of now, he's expected, so we'll see if anything changes before tomorrow. But uh, we'll be out there to try and get a look at him if he does show up to Tallahassee and the Moore Center.
0: Five looks good on him. Reminds me of somebody that was just previously wearing that.
2: Also some uh, minor ACC news. Will Shipley has declared for the NFL draft.
0: Wow! Wow! Was he not everybody, out of eligibility?
2: No, nah, he had one more year.
0: Everybody oh, wow. wants to get a clapping in for this. What an thank, incredible thank career! God, has. man. <laughs> yep. Do you guys think he gets Major. drafted? He should. Does he get drafted? One hundred and ninety-nine percent. He's gonna be the next Christian McCaffrey.
2: Yeah, uh, he's. I doubt he goes in the first two or three rounds, but some team will make. I've good got use him,
0: him at. I've got him at three, third round. And that's mm-hmm. solid for a running back. For Does he What's go higher it? than Trey Benson? No. I'm going to make a bet on it right now. I'm so just asking card. your opinion. No, Benson goes higher because he's
2: more. Benson just goes higher because he's going to be more athletic. You no know, bigger frame. Who's younger? Faster.
1: Who's younger?
0: I,
2: I don't know. I'd assume Benson, but I really don't know.
1: I think Shipley might be younger. He's, a, he's only been in college for three years. And this would have been Benson. Will Shipley? Four. Uh, Will Shipley's um,
0: twenty-one.
2: I'm finding out right They're now. They're
0: both twenty-one. They're both twenty-one, gentlemen. All right, but what's the month?
2: Uh, Will Shipley was born August two thousand two. Trey Benson was July two thousand two. So oh, wow. Benson's older by a month. <laughs>
0: uh oh. Hmm. I'm gonna go. I think mean, my guts tell me Shipley goes before Benson. Wow, but I feel Will, like ha, did
2: uh, it ever did it ever come out what Will Shipley's injury was after the ball game? Because that might have something to do with it.
1: I don't think so. We'll find out if he uh, goes to the combine.
0: Uh, Terrell, we're talking about Will Shipley, the Clemson running back. That all I can find absolutely is Will decimated.
1: Shipley won't need surgery after leg injury; has no structural damage, so that's okay. good. Third round, yeah. But
0: is it good that he goes before Trey Benson? That will be the question that we all ask in our head as just, we head into April.
2: I think Trey when Trey Benson runs a 4-4-2 or at even that below size. that. Yeah, at that size, they're gonna go, Oh goodness. I
1: just think Shipley's more valuable in the passing game and like with the way running backs are trending, you you really <laughs> have to be like a dual guy, it feels like in the NFL if you're gonna be an every down back.
2: I I don't disagree with you. Like I'd love to see him in Minnesota. But I just I know NFL teams love their height weight speed guys. Mm-hmm. And Trey Benson 6'1 220 and runs 4-4 speed. No,
1: his top end burst <laughs> once he once he gets out there, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas
2: Will Shipping is what, like 5'9? It's gonna run like a 4 like 5
1: Clemson's got like him at 510. 5'7, no actually.
2: No shot. There's just no way. <laughs>
0: I don't know, but one thing you can do is hit that like button if you want Trey Benson to get drafted. Return to ff Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that, that too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just get it all. We'll take anything for the likes at this point. Or that. No, but yeah, hit the <laughs> like button though before you head out of here. Appreciate everybody tuning in with us this evening. We go live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We'll be back here next week at 7 o'clock. We're going to work on trying to get some guests for you guys. Hopefully some of these – Guys that were on this last season squad come on here now that they're available outside of the Florida state uh, program. The restrictions there, we can work on trying to get some of these guys on the show and uh, love having some interviews that can take up uh, some good space of the show. So we're going to work on that. But uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday of next week at seven. As always, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, smack that like button definitely appreciate. Make sure you subscribe too so you get notified every time I release a new episode. Uh, but yeah, everybody have a great rest of y'all's week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Mama told
2: me not
0: That the set of work.